out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Hello and welcome. This is the C86 Show. I'm David Eastall. As you know, we love a special guest. This week, it's going to be the turn of, of the musician Mark Stewart, who, who is part of the pop group and also has been with Tackhead, uh, Adrian Sherwood, On New Sound, The New Age Steppers, and much, much more. Anyway, the point is, and this is the point, uh, the pop group have got their debut album, which was titled Why, um, released this month or year, October 2021, and it's been remixed by the dub maestro Dennis Bavel. So it's come out, or it's coming out. Anyway, you'll find it very soon. And um, so with that in mind, I thought we'd do an interview with Mark, which is very exciting. This is going to be in two parts for various reasons, which I won't bore you about. But anyway, after several minutes of casual chat, I started talking to Mark about the C86 show and indie pop from the golden decade that was the 80s, jingly jangly pop. And this was Mark's response. He does start with a scream. But enjoy, it's quite random. It was a very random 45 minutes. Anyway, Mark, over to you. Ah! <laughs> Is that that free cassette you go? Ah, no, 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 no. It's like a crucifix. No. It is, a, it, it is a crucifix. So you didn't send off a two, two seventy-five uh, pound postal order from your, uh, you know, with a little, on a little stamp for six p, you know, second class to the NME and so. No, I love, I love homemade cassettes. You know, I, especially Japanese ones or something. But I don't understand what was C eighty six then. Who was, who was that then? Who was, what was that then? That was a the Dolly well, mixtures or something, right? So the Dolly mixtures we're a little bit before that with the marine sorry girls. sorry you're good <laughs> no so what we've got on here is primal scream the mighty lemon drops the soup dragons the wolf hands uh, mighty mighty stump bog shed a witness mighty 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 all the way from birmingham half man half stump, stump, right bog shed right yeah i didn't realize they were on there i mean bog shed are beyond you know they have you know they're down the end of the garden they are, they literally are, aren't they? You could sort of, you know. What the Who, else? Who else? Who um, else? Oh, the wedding present, McCarthy, the shrubs. McCarthy, right, cool. Yeah, so there's, there's full of cool bands. I'm sure, you know, the Cherry Red Records has brought out C86 as a triple CD with 66 tracks. Plus Sorry, C86. there's somebody in the door. <laughs> <laughs> there's probably Amazon, don't worry. This might You'll... be the last interview I ever do when you're telling Sorry, yeah, is, are they sponsoring you? Are they, is this an advertorial? No, no, they're not actually, oh. but they, you know, they, they, well, Cherry Red Records, as you probably realise, loves to go through people's back catalogues like some old uncle going through someone's, you know. Long... Your English is very good. Is it? Yeah. Um, who did you expect? Wolfgang. Okay. And um, so, so. We're in the dark room, right? We're in the. You have, have I rung the wrong number? No. This you... is the expensive number, the 0898. We're in the dark room. We, no, we're not in the... You're, you're not... You're actually... I could ask you to start your video. I'm not saying you have to, but, you know... That's I what could... she said last night. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's, it's all good. So as you can uh, tell, the C86 is full of indie pop. But also, I mean, last night I didn't... Yeah, inter- but indie, indie, indie. I mean, the pop group were like number one on the independent charts for like 30, 40 weeks or something. 
When did independent become indie? Is it the same thing? Ran Nirvana or something? Does well, indie no. mean independent or does indie mean jangling now? Well, hmm, good point. Well, I, I suppose it was independent records, which everyone loved, yeah. apart from we got very confused because Pete Aikman and Waterman, uh, PWL, they were in on the independent charts, you know, and Kylie was often number one, wasn't she, with Jason in the indie charts with Bogshed and Big Flame and the Smiths, because we loved all the... Kylie loved- worked with Bogshed. Amazing. Yes. Um, yeah, that collaboration never came out. And um, Well, perhaps Cherry Red might reissue it soon in a box set, isn't it? They should do, yeah. The, the, the Bog Shed meets Kylie number, yes. It's the sort of thing that Bill Drummond would have Not done. Not only he's reissuing in the Bog Shed. <laughs> yes, in the they, night. We shouldn't, I, I hate it when other people... I'm, I've got nothing against Bog Shed. I don't know. What is this interview meant to be about? So, um, yeah, well, we you have gone back into that cupboard, haven't you? From 19- I have gone back into time, yeah. I am wearing my Alvin Stardust glove. I'm wearing my Alvin Stardust ring, and I'm starting all over again and trying to do it properly once. Choo, choo. Yes, exactly. Who's um, that dancing in the red dress? It is. The um, from C86. Listeners, if you, only see, if you could only see what he's wearing. <laughs> look, it's all good. It's, we're, we're having, yeah. So look, I mean, we get to an age, we all start getting obsessed with doing the park run on a Saturday morning, don't we? Let's face it. Who's you know. we? <laughs> Have you you multiple personalities? Anyway, this is like. Have I found Jeremy Vine? No, you haven't. But uh, yes, it could be, it could be Jeremy. Couldn't it? Some no, of those could... guys, are, some of those guys are indie heads, aren't they? Well, yeah, they say so, but they only usually have the same old, same old, don't they? Like the Smiths. Even Je- even David Cameron likes the Smiths, which was a bit disappointing at that moment. But then, so they, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, yeah, it's the free world, isn't it, David? Well, Neil Young said it was the free world, so you could imagine. Um, yes, it's all good stuff. I, I, you should do a you should uh, I say you should I mean who am I to say anything but Alan McGee would love to be interviewed by you I think I think you two could get on really well have you ever met Alan okay I've met him once he yeah he um I'm friends with Bobby from the primals which was weird you should mention that name and me and him are swapping like he just sent me a video of a nooska from Fox and we just swap like pictures of you know we just anyways a bit nerdy (laughs) <laughs> but um, he said, Alan wants to meet you or something. So I went to some shishi um, restaurant in London or something. No, I don't really like restaurants. But yeah, yeah, he's a, no, he's a good lad. We, and we've just done something amazing. The pop group going back to back on point. We just did this Y and Dub thing in um, the, the, the cathedral that was blitzed in Coventry. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think Alan was there. I think. Um, um, I got to sit next to Bill Drummond for like 45 minutes, which was quite interesting afterwards. And I had quite a long conversation because he was friends with the girl that organised it for uh, Terry Hall. Right. Well, quite there you go. I, found the, I find those things, you know, learning, uh, you know, uh, me to, knowing Bernie Rhodes a bit and just watching McLaren in action when I was a kid. I like those people who sort of hype you know, and use the machine against itself. Yes, there you go. That was good. Interesting fella. 
he is an interesting. I don't know which one you're talking about, but I know I did an interview with somebody who'd worked Bill Drummond with, from the KLF. Yeah, because okay, I'll just quickly tell you, I did an interview with somebody who I won't remember now, but they said he's he was they did a project together where they they I think he drew a ley line and was there anybody on yes, this ley yes. line? He was going to go, they would knock on the door and say, by the way, I'm Bill Drum and you're on the ley line. Can I play some music and can we cook you, yes. cook you a meal? But then he said, this artist who, again, I can't remember, he said that for one year, Bill Drum would, would only play records by an artist beginning with the letter B. And he said... "Amazing." And, and he kept it up because this guy was saying, thankfully... Hang the, on, he, there was a joke somewhere there. What did you just say? He Bill kept, Drum... Say that bit again, so I didn't hear that last line. What did you say? He what? So the the artist who I can't remember just okay. said he kept it up. You said he kept it up. He hey, ching hey. ching. Yes, I know. Well, I'm always that's like, going to be our catchphrase when we do Sunday morning on radio too. Yes, absolutely. He he kept it up. The whip it in. It was like the whip. It those in on... procedures. And that's just coming back on trying to draw the draw the veil back to the center to the to this thing that we, I think we're better be talking about. Those kind of chance procedures, like Bill does, and Eno had this pack of cards called Oblique Strategies. Anything when you kind of break the kind of routine that you're in, I find accidents really interesting, right? And for me, dub is, 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 it's, I've said it before, but I think it's like the music of chance. You don't know what's going to happen when you, because people are like playing the, playing a song right but when you suddenly cut the drums out or cut the bass out in, you know in a random act which is like what me and adrian will do or what dennis does or whatever then something something bizarre happens or magic happens which is which is not expected which i think is very important in this world at the moment risk is everything you know risk is everything it is true yes it is it's important and, in the creative acts definitely that yeah, I wouldn't go as far as to say politically, though. I'm not. I've, I've kind of got a bit fed up with the. Well, it depends. What you're, I mean, everything is political, isn't it? Also, you know, it's, anyway, yes, personal it, is political. When people say political and say it's every, every action you make has it anyway. It's a bit early for that, isn't it, mate? Yes, it's a bit, it's a bit early, and I just sort of thinking, yeah, I kind of agree. But we kind of in the eighties. No, I'm talking. I'm trying to talk about this record. Yeah, okay, you're bringing it back to the record. Okay, look. Yeah, I so, think that's so, what I may be doing. Yeah, you probably are. But look, interestingly enough, um, just just briefly, because I'm, I'm sort of interested in this bit. You know, I, I was born 1964. Remember that. That's interesting. My early formative years was the glam rock period of, you know, Sweet Slade, Gary Glitter. Thank you were born you. in 61? I don't 64, believe it. 64. Have you had a lot of surgery? Oh, you've got some sort of lens. You've got some of that stuff on the lens, like Joan, uh, Joan Collins. You've got like not KY Joe. What's it called? That grease or run sixty four. You're not sixty four. No. Oh I'm, yeah, I can see the marks. Both I was born in sixty four. I wasn't. I wasn't. You've had I'm your not... face stretched, haven't you, mate? <laughs> oh, I haven't. And you will look, do. <laughs> um, so look, I was born. I seriously, I haven't. Oh, I love it when journalists talk about themselves. It's like being interviewed by the enemy. They they kind of put their own. <laughs> I can't help you with your problems, sir. No, I know, but that'll, that'll be £30. No, I wanted to know, what, what was your first music? That was like, I was leading up to you saying my first musical awakening in life was. Ah, then... OK, OK, OK. So I think my mum and dad went in a caravan, a tr- um, like a dormobile thing, round Switzerland, and mm-hmm. they brought back an oversized postcard 
which I was shocked because it was a lot bigger than the normal postcards I'd seen when I was like six or seven or five or whatever, whatever it was. And it was a picture of the Alps, kind of sepia, still got it somewhere, with a, the, the, the laminate was music. There was a kind of vinyl printed. There was a sort of clear sort of plastic print and it was Purple People Eater. I don't think it was a Sheb Woolley version. I'm not, I can't remember who the... Purple People Eater. I don't know if you know. It's an old sort of jump rock and roll song. Oh, no, no, I have no. not come across that. Okay, so that You'll was... You'll have to play it. You'll have to tell your staff in the in the library to dig it out. Yeah, I will. Or go on Spotify. Yes, so you got this postcard with Purple People, people Eater on it. Yeah. And that, and that was your formative musical moment? I don't know if it was formative. I don't think I've ever formed. I've got this philosophy, don't grow up, it's the trap. Perhaps it was <laughs> unformative. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not one... I, I'm not one for, I'm not Jungian myself. <laughs> you know, you're not. But, so uh, look, you, you're you four years younger than me, so you must have been having some sort of musical journey in the 70s. You said I'm four years younger than you. I did. I just said you're four years Why younger. Why did you than... say, oh, great, you just, great, thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> I can do the math. When did the Can S you? Good. Good, yeah. So, you, so, so your 70s would have been a little bit different to me because you would have missed the, probably the glam and would have got into something else. I was just curious. I'm not four years younger than you. Before we go, I, this is all the way through this period of whatever they call it, lockdown, whatever it was, I didn't say any of that. <laughs> I didn't say I was four years yet. Where did that idea come from? Well, I was born 1964 and you... Yeah, I was 16 in 76, 15 when I saw the pistols. Yeah. But you were born in so 19... That means I'm older than you, not younger than you. Yeah, I know. But you were born in 1960. Right. And so you're, so you're four years... Oh, did I say younger? Anyway, it doesn't matter. It was, we, we can Take that year out, honestly. Uh, Dave, can you, can you cut out these? I don't want, like, personal dates that people can search things on. Can you not use that bit? Yeah. Well, it's on Wikipedia. What is... No, Wikipedia says I live up north and I've, I've, I've got a cat. Does it? Anyway. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It does, it does have your, you know, date of birth on your Wikipedia site. So, you know, that, there you go. How did they have that? I don't know. It just says born da-di-da, da-di-da. He's an English musician. All right, well, anyway, I don't want to go. Let's not keep on doing that because you're going to start getting, anyway. Yes, I'll start annoying the, the, you. That Wikipedia has been wrong for a long time. Not that I look at my own Wikipedia. No, anyway, don't look at it because that will just bring back bad memories. Look, so then you saw the pistols when you Why were... would it bring back memories if it's wrong? <laughs> well, oh we my all... God! It's like auto-correction. Yeah, well, we, we start to create false narratives, don't we? So that's kind yes, of... Yes, we do, David. Yes. That's great. Thank you very much, Mark. Um, so... <laughs> and we get caught in other people's false narratives. They define you. I've yeah. just, in the last week, I've, I've had four people trying to say I'm industrial, whatever that is. And now I'm mates with the soup dragons. <laughs> Revisionism. Historical revisionism. Well, that, that is good. So, look, because you're having this amazing reissue out with this, which is Dennis's kind of remix with Dub, can you, you know, going back to the early years of the pop group, can you remember the sort of the, the moments that this all sort of gelled and came together like some holistic kind totally. of... Totally. Good. That's just great. I'm glad we're, we're back on solid ground. But, well, I don't know if it's solid ground, but those... The funniest thing was that we got the master tapes back. 
and it was the first time I'd seen them since whenever the record was made, whenever it was, 70, whatever it was, right? And just seeing our scribbly writing on the boxes of the, of the analog tapes and then sitting down and listening, baking the tapes and listening through to what we were playing because we did this weird procedure of just doing loads and loads of really mad mixes, then doing multiple edits and overlays. We were really like using the studio as a, I don't want to use the word weapon, but as a sort of instrument, we were sort of, you know, we were so excited about all these machines and be able to challenge stuff. And, and Dennis is like, utter, I thought it was naive, but his, naive, his naivety is highly skilled. <laughs> anyway, and I, I learned so much. We were locked in this residential studio for like a month, right? And yes. then when I saw the tapes, I just turned to Gareth and I said, look, if, if, if we use exactly the same equipment as we would have used then and don't change anything and don't use any digital effects or anything, if we dub these original things like we would have done back then, then it's a childhood dream come true because we were so, we didn't have a chance to do it then. And then Warner Brothers had the tapes for so long, you know, I just thought it was an amazing, again, it was a kind it's kind of heretical. It was, it was, I just, I just, I've got into the thing of kind of trying to do things I wouldn't normally do. I've got this idea that taste is a form of personal censorship, but um, I think it's come out all right. I mean, you know, early people have heard it, said it sounds really psychedelic. It's like, it's, it's, it's a, what they call now like a deep dive. It's real like headphone stuff. Right. And I yes. just got into this, this three dimensional spatial mixing, but it was too late to do that. But it's, you know, it's 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 really kind of it's quite interesting, and the way a line will suddenly jump in, unrelated to what was there before, sort of thing. So, it's got a whole new meaning. It's it's, it's quite it's quite interesting yes. to me, anyway. I would imagine it, and it's going to sort of bring lots of um, people back to the band, actually, haven't they? So, um, so when you were doing the album initially back in those early, interesting late seventies period, this was at Ridge Farm Studios in Surrey, wasn't it? Yeah. And um, where, you... where the slits later did cut. Right. With Dennis again, because we were working a lot with the slits. But sorry, carry on. Yes. And when, when you know, this kind of period, because I've got it down as a sort of a, an interesting era, because the punk period had slightly sort of lost its sort of interest and shine and had sort of become a little bit of a cliche, hadn't it? And I sort of know that quite a few bands were feeling irritated. Well, our best friends at school, Gareth School, our best friends were the, the, the kind of key Bristol band, the Cortinas. Right. And we, we used to drive up to gigs at the Roxy and stuff with them and the Marquee and stuff. And me, Bruce and Gareth were just going to loads of gigs at like 15, 16. And I think coming back in a car or the van from the Roxy, we said, well, why don't we form a band? And we said, but we don't want to be punk because punk's already happening. We want to just bring in all these influences we were like. And like growing up in Bristol, you know, going to sound systems and funk clubs. There was a lot of funk and, 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 and dub and sort of, you know, and sort of reggae influences. And then we were really getting into like mad kind of free jazz. And we just, we just, punk blew the doors open. And then there was like us and Cabaret Voltaire were very, were in fact before us. And Richard, who sadly passed away, was away, Richard Kirk, who I'd like to dedicate this program to. Um, you were able, because punk had like, 
torn everything up, torn up the rule book, we could do whatever we wanted. And so us and Joy Division and Gang of Four, we all started just going off in whichever direction we wanted and experimenting in all different ways, you know. And was that, I mean, because there was a whole scene, wasn't there, was people like Mark Springer, who was part of the... Um, yeah. I mean, how, how come? How come then? There were just so many creative... Bonds. He was at school as well. He was at Gareth School as well. And he was lived just up the road. And he was like a mad kind of free jazz pianist at the age of like an like a what do you call that not an idiot savon like a he was mad he was bonkers but what i clearly remember is his dad had a, his dad was german and he had a weird sort of hair transplant i went and knocked, knocked on the door after school and the bloke answered the door and it looked like he had like rows of like cabbages planted on the top of his head it must cost him thousands of i don't know what to say anyway <laughs> that, that was very formative that was a formative <laughs> Moment. Yes, thank God I've never got bald. No, I don't think you. I, you know, I would, you know. You would, yeah, we would all, we would all be having problems. Look, so from because I'm based in Norwich, okay, and this East Anglia. Wicked, I love Norwich. I love that art set. Yeah, that's that's um, yeah, but we don't really, and we've never had that kind of. Sorry, Norfolk. Pardon. Yeah, carry on. We don't have that kind of creative oomph, like, you know, we had the Farmer's Boys here, you know, the Higson series. Farmer's drinking. Boys were wicked. Charlie Higson, they played with us, yeah. No, yes. they are, if you, if you drill down, drill down to it, it's like Canterbury. If you drill down into it, I'm sure there's amazing stuff that's come out in Norwich. It's just people follow. I'm sure there's like some like really cool, like English, like free jazz and stuff. You know, it's just, it's what happens is people, Bristol only became a sort of, got a name as a town because of what later on, what like my mates Tricky and Massive Attack and Porter's Head, they started going on about this Bristol sound. Yeah. only because somebody ultra big came out of it, but I'm sure there's loads of brilliant musicians who were born or grew up in Norwich and done all sorts of things. And the Farmer Boys were brilliant. Yeah, well, they had their, they they did have their moment. It was quite. Exploring. I did. Charlie Hickson's a good lad, eh? He's a good and and I did an interview with the bass player Mark, who said they got signed to EMI Records on the same day as uh, Kajagoo. He said it was a quite a strange picture of the two of them, two bands together. They Fantastic. Have, have you talked to Lamal? No, I don't think. Um, I I don't know where he is. He's he's. What's gone. the? How far have you got? Have you done Marilyn? I mean, not. How far have you gone into? No, I haven't done Marilyn. Actually, I think I think quite a few of them are, are a little bit kind what's of. What's the most? What's the most normal? If if you like, person you've interviewed, if you don't mind me asking. Um, there was a oh who oh Go West. I did an interview with a guy called I like Go West. And to be they honest, they did the King of Wishful Thinking, right? I can't remember something. We close our eyes or something like yeah, that. Yeah, we close our eyes. Yeah. And um, interestingly enough, doing these interviews then. I've kind of, with a few people, you think, actually, they were just really nice guys. You know, they they did their music. They had their moments. You're talking got... about everyone. You're not including me in this. You're talking about... <laughs> <laughs> you proved the role. You know. the yeah, with a few people. <laughs> not, no, it's like but... when people say, oh, I was just talking to my friend. Or like people say, your other friend, you mean, don't you? Aren't you not... <laughs> Yes, David. I find the same with interviewees. Nice. Thank you very much, actually. But um, no, but what was kind of interesting is that most people have the same story. They they get together. And we all grew up in a similar sort of period. So just because psychedelic furs became massive doesn't mean some of the stuff they made early on is cool. Even simple, you know, like Simple Minds made some brilliant stuff. 
Yes, absolutely. And then they, you know, they obviously got but, you know, people become snotty. They only want some. They only sold two records. Yes, we we like and we like those people. Well, you know, they keep. When in fact, we all, you know, every you know everybody aspires to make yacht rock. Um, not always. I have met a lot of people who didn't. He's not want playing to. with that pen. <laughs> <laughs> I like your studio, David. I mean, this this chair is quite comfy. Oh, look at all these stickers and yeah. Pardon? I can't see you. You you actually haven't put. No, I was pretending I was sat next to you. Oh right, okay, dude, get with the program. Okay, I'm I'm with the God. You sound like Neil from the Young Ones there. Um, <laughs> so so when you had the that success, filmed in Bristol, Gareth's band was in that. Gareth, the guitarist, Rip Brigham Panic was in the Young Ones. Oh God, of course, and Motorhead were there as well, weren't they? Lemmy appeared once. Um, so look, when you, you know, with the album, it comes out, everybody's very happy, 1980 comes along, things are a bit grim. With the follow-up album, what happens next? I mean, just kind of roughly, you know, I just would love to know the kind of the history of the band because because most bands, they have that five-year narrative, they get together, they have a nice time, they get the single, John Peel plays it, they do the session, the first album, everything's good. Second album, mm, a bit tricky. And then by the third album, it's all a bit, you know, curtains really, isn't it? What was it like kind of following up your, your first album? Why? Well, basically, David, I don't think of it. I just, I just make music and play music. I mean, for me, music's like a nutrient. I've been doing it on and off since I was like 14, 15. And I don't think of, you know, just because a, 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 certain, a certain country picks up on one album, you know, or another album, and they make say some, it's legendary. It's not me that's saying one is more important. But it's like, for me, it's like saying you like one of your children more than one of the others. It's not fair on the albums, poor little albums. Yeah. But, be... um, the interesting thing about the pop group was that we were all just kind of mates in the youth club and growing up in Bristol. We all knew each other's brothers and uncles and whatever. And our little gang of people going back to the funk clubs and stuff. I mean, there was like, you know, there's, there's like 200, if you, really, people you kind of nod at in town. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were just part of that scene and it evolved in different directions. And Nana Cherry came out, stuff Gareth did, and I just kept on doing stuff. And my love of dub went after the pop group immediately. I started working with Adrian Sherwood and On You Sound and still working with him. And I was just working with Lee Perry just before he died. So it doesn't really stop for me. But, and the pop group, we decided to actually make another album a couple of years ago, this Citizen Zombie album. So that project is still ongoing. So it's, it's quite, you know, I, I can't really analyse stuff from a distance. It made me sort of schizophrenic. Yes, absolutely. But did you, as, as the 80s progressed, and obviously this is when I started to um, discover the wonderful world of John Peel. So the On You Sound kind of records get played an awful lot. And then, you know, John Peel was playing, you know, Lee Scratch Perry and Augustus Pablo, and then loads of Sly and Robbie. So we all sort of got really kind of excited by that, as long uh, as well as all the Roots reggae stuff, like Aswan, Bird and Spear and Misty and Roots. And then as the 80s progressed, we suddenly got that ambient rave scene with people like The Orb. Well, I didn't, to tell you the truth, I've never been that aware of English music, to tell the truth, right? 78, 79, we were in New York a lot, because the pop group was suddenly really hip in the sort of no-wave scene in New York. So I was going off on my own, and I heard, like, an, I went to an early Africa Bambata rave, and I really, really got into hip-hop, right? And so 
as soon as I heard hip hop, I tracked down like Keith the Blank and a lot of the hip hop musicians. And I really wanted to, you know, use those sorts of beats. So I started after the pop group, I started working with these New York crew, right, from Sugar Hill Records. Yes. And supposedly that kicked off industrial music. These sort of me and Adrian sort of dubbing up drum machines really tickled Nine Inch Nails fancy. I mean, that's the weirdest thing that suddenly people, I mean, Nick's my friend, but people like Nick Cave and from Nine Inch Nails start saying they love your stuff. And I'm thinking, I can't, oh, you were an influence. I'm thinking. You've just gone dead. Come back. Something's happened to our recording. Oh, no. Don't say it's true. I've got a message from the action man. Are you still there, Mark? 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 Record Mark. first thing in the morning, and it gives me a tingle down my spine. Yes. And people say they get that from pop group stuff. I mean, that first pop group single, Beyond Good and Evil, it's crazy, the effect. You know, it's had like nearly a million hits. You know, and it's like people come up to you in America and wherever in Europe and say, we've made a baby to this or whatever, you know. And, but you can't, I don't look at, to tell the truth, I don't actually see myself as a sort of musician, David. Do you know what I mean? I don't, I don't think about it that much. When I, when I go in a studio and I'm making, I was making stuff this morning, I just, I just do it. But it, people say, what's it like when you come off the, I came off the thing at the, the stage at Coventry and the, my mate from Alabama three was there with that with Bill Drummond, right? Mm -hmm. And they said, Oh, what was that like? And I said, Well, what do you mean? I mean, for me, it's the same as going to Asda. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's not exactly. I don't I don't see it as a I don't see it as a it's just what I do. Yes, absolutely. But as as but you must have suddenly realized when you started working with you know Skip McDonald and then Keith LeBlanc as well as Adrian Sherwood, you must have thought. Did you ever have that kind of fake it till you make it? Did you have the imposter syndrome or did you always have a sense of confidence and sort of like... It's not even confidence. See any difference between people. Obviously, sometimes, you know, when the pop group kicked off and we were on the front page of NME and everything, suddenly I was being invited to these supposedly trendy things. The only thing that suddenly Bowie was playing at Earl's Court or something, and I got to sit in the front row next to Bowie's mum. And, and Bowie kind of walked past me. But I'm not one for like going on at people I mean I remember I was going out with this girl and her best mate was going out with Paul from the class but I didn't I didn't keep on trying to talk to him about work when he was trying to watch the telly do you know what I mean <laughs> no I, I don't know I mean I don't I don't I, I you know I for me everybody you know everybody's as important as somebody else one of my one of my best friends is this lad called Derek Williams who was a crucial part of what this posse we had in Bristol called the Wild Bunch Posse, right? Which was the sort of hip hop posse, which Massive evolved out of. He wasn't a musician, he wasn't a DJ, but when he was around, just leaning against the wall, magic happened, you know? So I don't see, we've all got our part to play. Do you know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. And with that, with that in mind, and you mentioned about early hip hop, and I do remember John Peel playing, you know, all those kind of T La Rock and Rock Say yeah, 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 and totally. and all that kind of stuff. And then in sort of, I think it was '86 that was it Morgan Khan who used to put those streets totally out. streets out, amazing stuff. And and there was a My kind of a, a documentary about it, and these kids getting lino out outside Woolworths up in Stoke on Trent. You know how hip hop hit England, and the way it evolved and gave people a 
it's funny because my son picked up on hip hop in Spain like a lot later, but it's become, is it, is it a lingua franca? You know, you hear like Brazilian hip hop, you hear like hip hop from Naples. It's become a way of people like expressing themselves, you know. Yeah, like absolutely. the like the like a real street poetry, which I find really exciting. And one thing I really loved in that period, going back to that the, uh, the Y period, was guys like Linton Kwesi Johnson and, and and Michael Smith. You know, the Jamaican sort of street poets. I mean, Linton was English of Jamaican descent, but and Muta Baruka, the way they put kind of really cool kind of rhymes over just a sparse sort of dub rhythm. You know, I love that. And and in the sound systems, when people would just kind of tell their story over the mic, I just thought, you know, I love that sort of stuff, storytelling. Yes, absolutely. So with, you know... With, with and Linton was a massive influence, you know, between the two, between those two pop group albums, Why and How Much Longer, I was hanging around with Linton quite a lot because Dennis Pavel made Linton Crazy Johnson's music, you know, and ran mm. Linton's band and stuff. And I saw Linton recently, he just looked amazing, absolutely amazing, you know. And, but that whole, and there was this uh, newspaper called Race Today run by Darkus Howe, that whole, I don't know how to explain it, but it's quite interesting. To, and, and, you know, in Bristol, we, don't, we didn't see class, race, gender, you know, I didn't care. We didn't care where anybody was from or either they were a good person or they weren't. Do you know what I mean? So everybody, so it's not, you know, like, Japanese journalists say to me, how come you did this or did that? But my, you know, that's the area my mum lived in. Yes, absolutely. Now, on your, on the sort of the lyrical front, and I remember that, you know, watching many documentaries, David Bowie talking about his cut-ups and William Burroughs stuff. I mean, where, do, where does it start and end with you when you're sort of putting... It starts anywhere, on the back of a bus. I mean, I've got this new album, which I've just had to put back. Um... Oh coming out in this American label, right? And I just saw a tag word to that would be unleash a new reality, right? And I saw that on the side of a bus or something, right? And again, I, I, I shared a taxi once with, with Burroughs, which was a, like a formative thing for me when he was doing that final academy thing in London. Yes. But, um, but that technique, and I don't actually, I think Apollinaire did it as well as Burroughs, right? But Burroughs gets all the, all the, all the, you know, Burroughs was a good self-publicist, but I prefer the cut-up work he did on films, which again, Cabaret Voltaire were very interested in, going back to Richard Kirk again. I mean, are you, are you playing music on this show? Yes. Could you please play an early Cabaret Voltaire song on my behalf, Nag, 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 and dedicate it to Richard Kirk, who was recently taken from us? Yes, Nag, Nag, Nag. Thank you. Um, so I just, you know, you overhear a conversation, you know, or you just weird lines. I mean, just now I just picked up all in the end is harvest, augmented humans and transformative technologies, heretical. You just pick up weird lines and I store them. I mean, my problem is I just scribble things down on the back of like little catalogs and stuff. So I've got boxes of like <laughs> random lines and it drives people mental, especially girlfriends. Yes. Um, <laughs> Yes, well, it's you, you know, you, can I move in with you, David? Please. Yeah, I think you know we've got a spare bed. So when can you? Uh, what, what was we? Your... Wolfgang won't mind. No, Wolfgang, my my pretend friend. Now, when you put together... <laughs> any friends? I don't know. I just have pretend friends, but we don't fall out. And you're not going to make any either, David, if you carry on like this. No, I know. This is this is the story of my life, isn't it? But look, you have to be nice. I am always nice. God, that's that's my middle name, Charles. You're in denial, David. You're in denial. You need I, therapy. I do. I know. I mean, you've got post-traumatic. You've got post C eighty six 
stress disorder. ETDCS eighty six. It's bog share. You fought in the you fought in the mop top wall. They brush your hair forward. Your walls jingly jangly, dude. Just, well, you just need to get some gladioli, and life will be okay. Don't now, get too close to the gedge. Oh, oh, no, we don't. I know it's it's too much. Or that oh, kind people of... love the wedding present, don't they? I quite like that when people are really like you know they'll follow a band anywhere. You know you. I used to like it, you know, even if you didn't like what the band were doing at the time, you knew if you went to a certain gig that there'd be people you got on with in the audience, you know? Yes. I don't know. Often I, you know, this is probably why, I often find audiences are quite irritating. I find I'm a bit disappointed that I like the same band as the some of the people that are watching who also like that band. And that often shatters something in my <laughs> spirit, actually. You don't have to look at them. You have to, I have to... You have to work. You have to. I have, yeah, I have to. Some blokes shouting out in Coventry, and I thought, oh no. Don't kick off now, mate. You know. I heckled, I heckled, I heckled my own audience. Yeah, that's right. But look, just going back to slightly, when you put together. Don't heckle your... the management, though, please, David. No. Well, I don't know, you can do. But Jerusalem, it's one of those yes. ones, wasn't it? When had, can you explain how that particular one came together? That is, yeah. Um, well, basically, the pop group was evolving. And in my eyes, I mean, Gareth and Simon would probably say different, but in my eyes, not being a musician, being more sort of lyricist and, and sort of con- conceptualist, I noticed that as, you know, because not many of us could actually play instruments. We were there, you know, back in the punk days, you asked somebody to get buy a drum kit or cheap guitar because their shoes were all right. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. And uh, but then they started like learning their instruments, and they wanted to kind of. They were really getting into like Ornette Coleman and John Coltrane and stuff, and they really wanted to kind of like express themselves on their instruments. And I was finding it quite difficult in these jams. It's all right playing like "I Want to Be Your Dog" by Iggy when you're like twelve or something for hours, but. Well, you know, without any structure, I find it difficult to sing. I'm not like that guy from Cannes who can like do like vocal improvisation. I mean, I don't, I don't get it. So anyway, they were, they were put being pulled more and more towards. Anyway, we did this. I was helping organise this big rally for CND in Trafalgar Square, and and, and we played on the between the lines there to, to like five hundred thousand people, and I I thought what would be a song. Nobody's going to know the pop group songs. What will be a song like We Shall Overcome that some of the audience might know that might warm their cockles, whatever you call it. Yes. So I thought, otherwise, I've always been interested in Blake, right? And I just thought of Jerusalem. So, I, you know, on the last pop group gig, I played the first Mark Stewart and the Mafia song just afterwards, which was Jerusalem. So the two things sort of blended into each other. That's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm quite proud of that song. And I, and I think, you know, I, I, think that, I think that whole idea of, like, English mysticism has... People don't draw on it, you know, especially a lot of people who are interested in the, you know, like, mystical things always go on about India or, or Tibet or something. But there's a, there's a real, you know, like Bill Drummond with Ley Lines, there's a real... We've got a real energy here we do you know why do people have to go somewhere exotic to find some like earth energy which is here it's yeah well god i mean but and that dear listener if you're still listening is part one of the interview that i've had with mark stewart from the pop group talking about the 
debut album Why, which has been remixed by Dennis Pavel. Available from all good bookshops and also online, I'm sure. Anyway, this has been David East or The C86 Show. If you want to contact me, you can on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just do C86 Show. And also, if for some random reason you want to hear any more, they're all available on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean. It's true. Anyway, have a great week. Stay safe. Oh, yes, by the way, part two is coming out soon.